Hello everyone and welcome back to the Mystery Theory Podcast. Today we're going to cover a new case of the series. It happened on Halloween. This one includes a nun, which poor lady, she was the victim in this case. There's a lot of controversy and even a curse. And I'll tell you why most people believe in this curse. I mean, many people are victims of this curse. Um, or at least that's what it's believed. They're very random and they're very different. But let me tell you what happened on October 31st, 1981 in a convent in Texas. So it was Halloween 1981, and this was in St. Francis Convent in Amarillo, Texas. If you're from the area, or if you know about true crime cases, you probably heard about this one. That particular night was a pretty quiet one. I mean, every day kind of normal. Not, a, not Halloween festive, not trick-or-treating, very, very quiet. Sister Tadea Vance was 60, uh, 76 years old, I almost said it backwards, and uh, she was heading to her room to sleep. The next morning, Sister Tadea didn't go for breakfast. Now, the nuns have a routine. I should know, I went to a school where it was run by nuns, Catholic school, and I can tell you they have their routines to a T. I remember um, they even had a schedule where, you know, everyone would know where everyone was at at different times. And I'm not saying that this is what happens, what happened there, but... Um, it was very unusual for Sister Tadea to not be there. So one of the other nuns decides to go check on her. Sadly for that nun, um, she got to experience a horrible sight. Especially for a nun, I feel like they feel shelter in this place, in this convent, and protected somehow, but Sister Tadea was actually discovered naked, brutally attacked, raped, stabbed, and strangled. I mean, this was no... Um, she's not responding or something happened to her. This was a horrible crime scene. And the nuns were all terrified at this point, but... They decided to go around and check to see if the person who did this to Sister Tadea was still inside the convent. They couldn't find anybody, but they did find a broken window. 
they called the police and detectives started to collect physical evidence and try to seal the scene. And initially they found quite a few things. A knife under the bed, uh, the sheets, I mean, there was fingerprints and... Um, apparently, it was not only from the blade of the knife, but also they found different fingerprints. I mean, I'm assuming the same fingerprints in different surfaces. Now, they also found an additional knife in the driveway outside. The autopsy revealed stab wounds. Um, she was hit in the head. She had um, abrasive injuries to the neck, but the cause of death was ruled as manual strangulation. And to add to that, sign of ex external bleeding and internal trauma indicated forcible rape. Now, they had a lot, but you have to remember that this was 1981 and not with the best technology yet. But they did have a suspect uh, almost immediately. His name was Johnny Frank Garrett, and he lived across the street from the convent. Some people said that they thought they saw him running out of the convent or that he was coming from the direction of the convent. They were not even sure, but some people said that and they ran with it. The kitchen knife found in the driveway actually matched the design, make, and degree of use uh, the knife recovered from Garrett's home. So they went to through his stuff, they went through his knives and they decided, well, this probably belongs to him. However, if I was in that situation and something happened to a neighbor of mine, they check my drawer. I have the cheapest, more Walmart knives that you can imagine. I'm pretty sure that every time I take a knife somewhere, everyone has the same brand. So I don't know if it's relevant information, but that's what they based their accusation and actual reason to arrest him. He was arrested on November 9th, 1981 and he was accused of rape and murder. He said he didn't do it, and he maintained his innocence even though he was offered different plea deals. He continued to say that he was innocent. Eventually, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. He was placed on death row in Texas Ellis Unit prison. He was going to be executed on January 6, 1992. However, he was given a reprieve by Governor Ann Richards at the request of Pope John 
Paul II, which, by the way, was the the Pope that I remember from my childhood. That didn't help him, though, because ultimately the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles voted 17 to 0 to uphold the death sentence instead of life in prison. So eventually, on February 11, so a month later, actually, of 1992, when he was 28 years old, Johnny Frank Garrett was executed by lethal injection. His last meal was ice cream. And he was asked, like every other person, if he wanted to say some last words. Now, some people say that he mumbled something. Some other people say he didn't say anything. But there is something out there saying this, that in that mumble, he said, I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me. The rest of the world can kiss my ass. I don't understand that part because he, if, if there's a quote, did somebody make this up? It is very well known, um, and it's bi- it's a big part of this case, so I didn't want to leave it out. But let me tell you about Johnny, because, see, we usually don't go into much of the details. In some other cases I've done it, but not all the time. But we need to know more about him. One of the things that was never told in court, it was never explored, nobody said anything about it, is that Johnny was mentally impaired and he suffered brain damage. Now, when I tell you why he suffered brain damage, it's gonna it's, it's gonna upset you um, to put it in some kind words, but it's really a super sad story. Um, he was neglected as a kid he was abused and according to some of the social workers at the time it was one of the worst cases that they've ever seen he was allegedly raped beaten and not only by his you know um, family family but also by his stepfather, who forced to perform adult things that you see in an adult movie. His family introduced him to drugs and alcohol by the time that he was, I mean, he was only 10 years old when his family introduced him to that. And his own family exposed him to brain-damaged substances like paint thinner. Again, we now know that, but all this information wasn't presented to the jury during the trial. I'm like, how can you 
how can you skip this? Because, I mean, I get it. Okay, he was abused by his father, or... Okay, he was... But, but this this is a, a, a different level of abuse. This is like... What are we talking about here? Now, to make things worse... Remember, he's dead already. But DNA evidence found in 2004 linked another criminal to the murder of Sister Tadea. So it's just to make things worse if they were feeling terrible that they condemned this guy that had brain damage. Okay, now they found DNA in Sister Tadea's murder scene that matched Leoncio Perez Rueda, who was a guy who was in jail and pled guilty to a crime that took place a few months prior to this case. And the victim was Norn Box Bryson. I mean, this guy's hair was found on both crime scenes. But he actually said that his friend, which he met in prison, Johnny, was the one who was responsible for Sister Tadea's murder. Now, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, you're probably like, okay, do we have a sample of Johnny's hair that could confirm that he, you know, he wasn't the one that did it? I mean, is this going to help at all? The guy's already dead. Um, I don't even, what do you do? Do you care enough to check if he was guilty or not? Now, if you want to know more about this case, there is a documentary and it was made by a Texas attorney and it is called The Last Word. And just to give you an idea, this lawyer believes that prosecutors frame Johnny. He didn't say it in those words, but I'm trying to kind of give you a gist of it or the gist of it. So it kind of shows how the evidence points to this other person. And now that it's a little bit too late and nobody's testing things, um, he knows, we know, you know now that the hair found in Sister Tadea's room was this guy Leoncio's. So he was there that night. But can you see how there's a disconnection there? Now, 10 years after his execution, so his execution was at what, in 92? Um, the Supreme Court outlaw execution of mentally handicapped and people who committed their crimes under the age of 18. Garrett's um, IQ and his mental uh, disability would have prevented him from being executed if that was, you know, at the time that he was being tried. Of course, this was 10 years later. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice website states that he declined to make a final statement. So, are they lying? 
or did he just not say that thank you to his family? What what would he be thanking his family for? Abuse? I mean, I just don't understand. That that's why I'm kind of. I wouldn't want to watch a video where I know that that person is gonna die, but I almost would want to be like a fly on the wall to 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 see if did he move his mouth? Did he say thank you? I don't know. But that will take us to the curse, and this is one of the things that is he's most um, mostly known for. Frank Johnny Garrett left a letter cursing society and those who he felt were guilty for his murder. He believed that he was murdered because he continued to say that he was innocent. And the curse, even for uh, people that don't believe in them, feels very, very real. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there is a list of things that happened right after. Only months after Garrett's conviction, his curse seemed to kick in. And this is not one case, or this is not one thing, but it's a series of things that happened after. The first victim was the coroner who was convicted of faking some documents, falsifying, making up things that didn't exist. While he was incarcerated, his wife died of pancreatic cancer. That year, Garrett's attorney, Bill Koloyas, also died of pancreatic cancer. I mean, what are the odds? Kathy Jones, the NBC reporter that chased Garrett's mother into the court house bathroom, died in a plane crash. I mean, she was chasing the guy, uh, the mom, I mean, into the courthouse bathroom? That's, that's kind of wild. And finally, the judge and another lawyer were diagnosed with the same rare type of leukemia. Now, I feel like in the Amarillo area, a lot of people believe in this curse. They believe that something very dark was left after Garrett died. I honestly believe that life, it's a big circle. And I believe that sometimes people choose to ignore to see some things that are very obvious. Now, I'm not saying that the judge or the reporter or that the lawyer or, you know, I'm not saying that they deserve to die. I am saying that we know that something happened and then we don't know what happened to the people involved, right? We... After a big case like, 
I don't know, the Peterson's case or the Watts case. I being kind of going over again with some new information that came out and a new documentary and everything. But we you know we know the case, we know the people, we know the victims, but we don't know what happened to the jury, the judge, the lawyer. Maybe some of them were dealing with the cancer. And again, I'm not saying that they deserve that, but I'm saying that life, it's a big circle. And sometimes you're way up high and you enjoy that moment and you breathe the fresh air and you enjoy the sun and then sometimes you're way down where everything is blocking the light and where everything looks dark and looks terrible and it looks like it's the end. So, some people believe in karma. Some other people believe that that's not a thing. And I, I'm certainly not here to tell you that he was innocent. But chances are that this guy didn't do it. Was he there with that Leoncio guy who actually was there because we know his hair was there? That's a possibility. I'm not saying that he wasn't. But what are the chances of a mentally ill person running in his own street? Um, he could have been spooked by something. He could have been running because he was having an episode. He could have been running because he was getting late to home. I mean, I sometimes run myself when it's dark like today outside I mean I love the darkness in here but I don't like to walk in the darkness so sometimes I do a little jog up and down my driveway when I'm drop off or something at the entrance and I have to run 300 feet to get to close to our home who knows why he was running Maybe the neighbors did see the guy running. Maybe the guy is guilty. And, and maybe this is life, you know, because bad things happen to good people and bad people all the time. So who are we kidding here? If you want to believe that this is a curse, it, it may be. I am not even telling you that this is not a curse. But I just think that that's life. And, and that's making choices and that's, and, and, and that's our power of making choices, decisions. And then we have to face the consequences of our decisions. I, I, I've said this many, many times. I would never want to be a judge, never in my life. I grew up going to um, tutoring classes with this lady who had zero money, like she was broke, but she was paying her, you know, um, the best tutors and the best teachers and everything for her daughter who wanted to be a judge. And now she's a very well-renowned judge. And I look at her and I'm like, why would you want to put yourself in that position of making 
that decision. I sometimes don't want to even think about what sock collars I'm going to wear because if I wear tight, well, that's that's a whole another story. My point is, I don't want to make decisions for myself sometimes. Sometimes I eat the same thing five days in a row. Me, myself, not the kids, because they wouldn't put up with that. But I... I don't like to make decisions and I would hate to make a decision that would impact somebody else's life. And we know Texas. Texas, they don't mess with stuff. I mean, I'm not judging, but they're pretty good at getting it done. So, what do you think happened here? I, I, I tend to believe that he was innocent. That's my gut feeling. What do I know? I, I am not a police officer. I am not an FBI agent. And I do not have a police file in here with me. But according to my research, my God is telling me that he's innocent. But wait, here's the kicker, right? If I was sitting in a place where I had the power to decide, hey, are we going to condemn this guy or are we going to let him go free? He's innocent. Ah, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be in that position either. Those are the things that amaze me, you know? How can you be 100% sure of something? So maybe there is a curse that he left behind. But I think that if today, in 2020, we're still dealing with a lot of not understanding what a mental illness is and not having the heart to open up about it and make it more of a normal conversation, then how can we expect people back in 1981 to do that? You know, sometimes I feel like we have so much more in 2020, you know? We have the best things, the best technology, and of course, that we know of. But in 10 years, this is going to be like garbage. But I feel like we feel that way, like we're so powerful. And one day, the world will be ruled by raw, uh, like, machine or, you know, your... Your vacuum, what's it called? I never remember the name. Your vacuum is going to do the dishes and just going to tell you what to wear. And and you're not going to have to make any decisions because a machine is going to do it for you. And if you're lucky enough, you'll get a little chip in your head so you can Google stuff without a device. I'm like, huh? Really? Yet we don't understand mental illness. We don't do anything about it. And there's more people that suffer from it now than ever. This pandemic, this this craziness that we're living in today's world, and the, 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 we're just oh, it's it's fine. You'll be fine. You know, we're gonna get better. Things are gonna be awesome. Things are gonna go back to normal. And day by day, more kids are being depressed and sad. And not knowing what they're feeling because I don't know what I'm feeling with this 
craziness in the world with this pandemic. I don't know that. And I'm 37 years old. So, so this is the thing that annoys me, you know? <laughs> that we think that we made so much progress, yet I feel like we're stuck back in time. Because we, we don't have the best policies for these things, you know? And I'm not talking about court things. Because plenty of people that are way, way okay, they want to play that card of, you know, insanity. But I'm like, but we still, there's nothing, you know? We know that there is mental illness. We know that this, and yet we don't have anything, a method of helping people. Or even, I'm not even talking about helping, but understanding people that are going through this mental illnesses that we just don't even understand ourselves. I've said this many, many times. I had a friend that took his life after a divorce because he developed a mental illness. And oh my goodness, he was in his late 30s. What? What? Aren't you supposed to be like, oh, I made it. I passed my 30s. I'm okay. I didn't get anything. I'll be fine. I'll be a normal person for the rest of my life. No, that doesn't happen. So we all need to understand that this is not something that you are born with. Sometimes you are, but not always. So what are we going to do about it? How can we learn more about this and help other people? What measures do we have to take depending on what they have? Such a big thing. It's, and I can talk about it all day today and you'll probably be there sleeping because it gets to a point that I'm coming back to the same. That is my main idea is we're stuck in time. And even though mental illness became a popular word recently, we still don't understand it. We still don't. And we're coming up with new things in psychology to excuse behaviors that shouldn't be excused, yet we don't have the help and the resources needed to deal with people that is actually sick. But let's help those that want to make up this new branch of psychology because it fits their narrative. <sighs> Such a terrible case. I mean, I can't even imagine what that nun had to go through for whatever or however long she had to go through it. How sick do you have to be to do that to anybody but especially an old lady and a nun in a convent. And I'm not talking about how sick, like mentally, illness, you know, ill, or, you know, I'm not talking about mental illness. I'm saying how sick, like truly sick you have to be to do that. But again, it's another story that if you give me a 
couple months, I can write it into a good movie. Although it'd be in very bad taste because uh, this happened. And but if you give me a couple months, I'll write you something that you can put on TV. Or even a movie. Because th this is what it feels like. It feels like this is a terrible movie that I don't want to watch. Because having to, to watch something that it's so unfair, not only to her, but... You know, the trial and the lies and the, and the curse, it's... I wish it was a movie and I was just telling you about it. So you wouldn't have to watch it, right? But now... I feel like evil is part of us. Um, humanity. <laughs> And that there's evil out there. There is. And we just have to get somewhere where we can stop somehow these terrible things that are happening to innocent people every day. I want to know what you think. Because I told you what I think. Maybe I told you way too much. Too much information. You probably hate me by now. You probably believe he's guilty. Even my bunny thinks I'm being dramatic here. He's shaking his little house. But I want to know what you think. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please leave a comment. And let me know what you think. If you're listening to this in the podcast, just go to YouTube and leave me a quick comment there. Sometimes you come up with some of the, the, the most, you know, well-thought-out theories, and I'm like, oh, wow, you're actually right. That could have happened. So that's why I love to share cases with you, because we can all agree to disagree sometimes, and sometimes this is the best way to explore different alternatives, because each one of us has one brain. That's it. So when we all put our brains together, sometimes we can come up with different things. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite app for podcasts, please leave a rating. You can download Stitcher. It's called Stitcher app. And I'm going to have to um, kind of archive some podcasts from the past so if you want to listen to all of them and you don't want to be um you know allowed to only get to a certain point back in time then download that app it's free you don't have to pay anything and you can listen to all the podcasts there from the beginning which you should you should listen if you haven't we talked about the brain of a killer, what's different, what they look like in the outside. We talk about noses. Maybe you should look it up. If I can find it, I'll link it in the YouTube uh, description box. But if not, just go back. They should be there. My bunny's getting anxious. Probably wants to go snuggle and watch TV. 
It is currently Saturday night. I know I'm super fun talking about this. <laughs> I hope that you have a great week. If you're listening this on Sunday, please remember to leave a rating and let me know how I'm doing. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>